choose well. Your career, your friends, your mates, your investments, it's all filtering. So the person who becomes the best at choosing, I think, is the best. So psychologists will say all kinds of things. They'll say, oh, don't show contempt. Uh, Don't threaten divorce. Listen actively. All good. But this is what the brain says. Empathy, controlling your own stress, your own emotions, and overlooking the negative and focusing on the positive. There's a huge brain region linked with remembering the negative. Yeah. And activity in that brain region, it's a, it's a, it's in the ventromedial prefrontal cortex. It's a different area. Yeah. So it's like right about here. It's not the amygdala. That's in the middle of the brain. Um, but that's probably involved too. But the bottom line is this is a brain region directly involved with overlook, with, with remembering the negative. Yeah. And, um, and we're, we, we evolved. See, women seem to do that better than men. Or, or more than men. I don't know. Men are awful loving. They can overlook all... Men stick in relationships that are perfectly no, dreadful. No, 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 no. Men... <clears throat> women remember your flaws more than... They. Big time. Yes. Women remember everything. Women remember, remember everything. I think it's it a a, flaw. Chris Rock talks about that. He's like... He, he basically goes, when you do something wrong, she doesn't say anything. That's because she's saving it for later. <laughs> <laughs> Three years from now, she's got ammunition. Remember and when? Know, and you know why? Yeah. Um, because there's many more estrogen receptors in the hippocampus that is, is a, a basic brain region linked with memory. We remember. So we then remember do, what you didn't you do five be, years ago. We remember what you didn't do 20 years ago. But you're saying ago. they it's a shouldn't blood. do that. Women should. I'm not, you're in yeah. the shit business. I'm not in the okay. shit business. If women, women could reduce it would be, that, we'd all be happier. Men and I, women. I, I, I think that would be something that women could reduce. Yes, absolutely. Could, and men could, could a drug do it? Well, drugs wear off, you know. But you just take it every day. I'd gladly give No, it'd be a lot easier to just say, you know, have the argument once and then say, we're never having this argument again. We've solved this one. This right. is, just being, just try being a grown up. That, that would, that would work. Now, the empathy you know? thing, what do you mean by that? We should be saying more often. Mm. Should we be talking to people? Someone we're dating and getting deep into their feelings to try to feel some kind of empathy? Probably. Yeah. Probably. Because empathy. Yeah. Controlling your own stress and your own emotions, so no drama. Neither sex likes drama. You know, in this national study... We don't like it, but it happens all the time. Well, people should stop. (laughs) I mean, really, that's what the brain says, you know. I mean, you can be upset, but you don't have to do it for forever, you know. No, there's something called being a grown-up, and in good relationships, you can be a grown-up. Yeah. But you can overlook the negative. And I used to have a guy, the guy that I went around the world with, he was slow. Oh, my God. He was so slow. He walked slowly. He talked slowly. He thought slowly. Now, he read me all of Shakespeare. We'd get into bed at night. He'd read me all of Shakespeare. He read me The Magic Mountain. I mean, that's the long book. He's read me Dickens. He read me, you name it. Uh, he, he read to me for 18 years. He was, but, but he was slow, very slow. <laughs> I could rearrange the living room while he was just saying hello. I mean, it was just, but I would think to myself, okay, Helen, you know, he's walking slowly now. He's talking slowly now. But when we go to the Metropolitan Museum, he looks at a painting and then we go out to dinner and he would say so much about what he saw. Yeah. And he was able to read to me every single night. So that slowness that would drive me nutty in the street brought me. Uh, an intellectual uh, world that was absolutely thrilling. So I would say to myself, okay, Helen, he's slow now, 
but look what I get from that. Yeah. So you just have to move, you know, just move the ideas around. Want a good relationship? Good relationships keep you alive. As I said, another seven to 10 years, it's worth doing a little work on it. But I think that's because <laughs> you are an explorer. I feel like a builder has a hard time doing that. They're more set in their ways and they have the archetype right. of the guy that they want. And that's it's right. hard to that's right. manipulate ideas They're gonna like bicker. that. They're yeah. going to bicker. They're going to be perfectly fine if they... <clears throat> Is a builder supposed to be with a builder? Yes. Builders, so builders go for builders. builders. Okay. What builders does a negotiator go with? Okay. Uh, 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 testosterone. Estrogen goes with testosterone. goes with explorer or director. director. No, no, no. Okay. You got to have all four. Okay. So uh, dopamine goes for dopamine. Uh, explorer goes for explorer. Okay. That similarity attracts. Yep. So risk-taking, novelty-seeking, curious, creative, spontaneous, energetic goes for people like themselves. Explorer, yep. explorer. Uh, high serotonin goes for serotonin. That's the builder, builder traditional, builder. conventional. Yep. And the high testosterone goes for high estrogen and vice versa. So my boyfriend and I are both high dopamine. Works fine. He's high testosterone and I'm high estrogen. That That's also fine. works fine. Is he low builder? Yes, but not quite as low as me. So is that a little bit of conflict? We laugh. We laugh our heads off. He wants... We had this thing about a pot. I mean, this got three pots in his kitchen, right? And I was cleaning out the pot, and I put it here, and he wanted it here. Okay, so he's, a, <laughs> he's a little OCD. I'm happy to put that pot there. Fine with me. I, I, I mean, I can overlook the pot, you know. And so we laugh about it. But maybe somebody else, if I was a builder, I might say oh, the pot should go here. It should go, you know. So the bottom line is, we're both mentally flexible. We both laugh about it, and I put the pot where he wants it. Has he had kids before? Yes. And he's got one child, and the child's very high serotonin. It's amazing. You know, when egg meets sperm, you can get about 8 million different combinations. So two high dopamine parents might have a very high serotonin child. So it's funny. When I wrote that book, Why Him, Why Her, explaining all this, my editor called me, and he said, you know, Helen, he had just read the, the version, and he said, I finally understand my son. Because the editor was very high dopamine, high explorer, and the son was very high serotonin, traditional, conventional. And the editor would say, oh, let's go out and take a long walk to such and such. And the boy would say, I don't feel like it. And there was one time, apparently they, uh, they, you know, it was after five o'clock and it was getting dark and, and, and he wanted to take the child into a playground. The child was about nine years old. And the child who was very high serotonin builder, he said, are you sure we're supposed to be here in this playground? Hmm. <laughs> so what's valuable about this? So it shows up early. Yes, it does. And what's so interesting about it is that, you know, I don't believe in the golden rule anymore. Do okay. unto others as you would have done unto yourself. Do unto others as they would have done unto themselves. Right. And then you can reach into their mind and win. Yeah. Treat people. So you need to, when you're talking to a builder, who they you are. need to be a builder. Be con- you got to be a builder. Be you like water, be like Bruce Lee said. Yeah. Be like water. Yeah. Interesting. He said water takes, if you put it in a bowl, it takes the shape of a bowl. If you put it in a tall glass, That's it takes lovely. the shape. Yeah. That's wonderful. And I, I always say with personality types, we all have, even if you're a strong this or that INFJ right. or builder director, we have strengths but we have all facets of our personality. Right. So you can bring out that latent part of yourself. Uh, there's a part of me that's still a builder and a See, negotiator. Me too. me too. But you know you what? You can't do it forever, though. I, I, yeah. What it does is it's tiring. Yes. I mean, that's the big t- It's tiring. Yeah. In fact, I made a speech at the Smithsonian on, on this, and the woman came up to me after. She said, you know, Helen, she said, 
I, she, she said, I'm a very successful businesswoman. And during the day, I'm, you know, I'm high testosterone and I'm getting it done and I'm analytical and logical and direct and decisive and tough minded. And I married a man who wanted me to be a little puffball mm. and, you know, serve the potato chips and Sunday to his, his game day and this and that. She said, I could do it, but right. I was exhausted. Yeah. And after several years of marrying him, she divorced him. It's hard to act out of character. We can do it, and we do it all the time. Um, some people are better at it than others. Yeah. Um, estrogen's pretty good at it. We are very good at running right around the high testosterone because we can, we can be quite manipulative. Yes. Um, but uh, <laughs> you after said a while, it. it's tiring. <laughs> do you think, going to controversial subject, genders, do you, how do you take the modern movement? There's a strong movement that sexuality, gender, that is very fluid. In your studies with the brain scans and traveling the world, do you think there's a lot of truth to that myth? You know, as uh, fetal estrogen and fetal testosterone are washing over the brain, mm -hmm. they're not only building the genitals, but they're also building the mind. Mm -hmm. And we know from certain kinds of people, CAH girls, for example, they had a lot of testosterone in the womb. What is CAH? I can't remember. Whether it's, I can't. I just. I was just. I thought to myself just now. I shouldn't have brought that up. It's. A, it's a. It's a. It's a um, syndrome okay. of, of is it fetal a physical. Yes, it's okay. a fetal. It's fetal testosterone washing over the brain. Okay. In. Um, and the timing is important. Okay. And, and under those circumstances, these girls grow up, they're less interested in home and family. Uh, they're more interested in business. They will be tomboys as a child, huh. et cetera, et cetera. So as the brain develops in the womb for those nine months, there's all kinds of washing of the brain of the the androgens and the estrogens that are going to build uh, different sort of capacities. I mean, you see some women who are, are very good at math, right? Uh, uh, but are not tough-minded, which right. is a testosterone trait. You see some men like uh, Clinton or I think uh, Obama. You know, Obama was very verbally skilled, uh, good at writing books, uh, uh, very good with people, had a lot of high estrogen traits. So he's more uh, a negotiator, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I would yeah. say he's a negotiator explorer. Yeah. No wonder he didn't understand Putin, and Putin yeah. didn't understand him. But no wonder uh, Trump and Putin understand each other. They're coming out of the same egg. Director. Yeah, directors. Yeah. I don't know what else he is. I mean, I would have thought that he was an explorer. Uh, Trump, but he's got a, an awful lot of, of, he's expressing a lot of builder traits right at the moment. Really? Whether, well, sure. This, yeah, uh, a wall, a wall, like that, traditional. a wall and, uh, trade, uh, lack of trade, uh, free trade. And I mean, that's, that's traditional. Yeah. Uh, so, I feel like but, all politics, by the way, is personality types playing out large. It's I do insane. too. I mean, everybody thinks I see right. it. Yeah, I see it as est I, I see it as um, beads of d dopamine and serotonin yes. washing this direction and that. Or <laughs> there, there's a book called "Compelling People" by two Harvard professors, and it basically they say you live in this world, you deal with external world in two ways: strength and warmth. And mm -hmm. so Republican Party would be strength. So they don't understand. They say it's not fair that somebody comes illegally into the country. And they, there's a certain level Fairness of truth Fairness in that. the testosterone system. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? But yeah. warmth is going, but our country has always opened it's arms, and estrogen. that's what makes us great. It's so estrogen. basically, you need two parties, but it's funny that they both think they're empirically right, and they're both, right. they're both needed. 
Right. I mean, that's what makes America a special right. place. Well, but, I think they're all, I know I've got data on 40 countries. And for example, in China and Japan, there's a huge amount of serotonin. Hmm. And they follow the rules. Yes. I mean, I've been in. So Tokyo. that, this is fascinating. Do so you think, yeah. so you would back my theory that entire areas can have some almost genetic yeah. predisposition. I think you got that with the Amish. Yeah. The ones that are the explorers, uh, high dopamine are going to leave. Yeah, as long as there's open migration, yeah. it probably happens even more. Exactly. California has a lot more, I would say, explorers in uh, certain way. Because by- go west. And America's more explorer than Europe. I find instantly Europe is a little more, I don't know how I, trying to, I would say in some ways Europe's more builder too. Mm-hmm. Because if all the people, like my grandma, she was born in Berlin. She met Adolf Hitler when she was 18. Wow. She was taking, she, somebody, her friend Melita Meshman, who wrote a book on this, said, come meet this great speaker. And she went to a park and, little small group and Adolf Hitler rolled up. And my grandma went home to her parents and said, I think this guy is crazy and he's going to bring us to war. Even though he was saying there's no war. No one believed her. She got on a boat alone in 1939. While she was on the boat, he declared war with Poland. Wow. So she's the explorer. Right. She was always fascinated by a woman came when my grandma was a little girl, like eight in Berlin, wearing pants from California. My grandma said, I'd never seen somebody wearing pants. And my grandma said, I want to be around people like that. And so mm-hmm. I think she wasn't a builder. Yeah. Because a builder would like no. women wear dresses. Of course. And so she came and everyone else stayed there. And I think there's a certain feeling to that. But maybe America has been around long enough that, like you said, the sperm meets the egg and all kinds of things come exactly. out. So now you have a lot of builders right. who say, it's not fair. Close the borders. Well, I've got um, absolutely, and they're Republicans. Yeah, um, I have a map of America. I'll show it to you if we meet again. So? And it's a map of, because I, as a you know, fourteen million people have have taken this questionnaire, and so I know who is where. And uh, California is full, really of, full of of dopamine, full of dopamine. And the South full has to be more builder. Um, the Midwest and the South, yeah. Our builder. I lived. I Midwest moved to the, the south, south when I was 12, 13. I hated it. Yeah. I never yeah. really liked the South. I yeah. mean, there's some things I liked about it, but overall, it was not for me. Alaska was all uh, testosterone. Really? Sure. Because so it's directors. What they? Yeah, they're directors. They're shooting the animals. I mean, that's all spatial skills. Yeah. Uh, Nevada is all um, directors. I mean, that's what is what is card playing? It's all spatial systems thinking. Huh. Um, the um, the northeast. What's New York? It's 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 estrogen. Really? Yeah. I mean, look huh. at all of our our unions and our you know helping the poor and yeah. uh, helping the immigrants and. What's Florida? And, just insane. I gotta go take a look at Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Have you done so? Countries? What would what would some countries said China, Japan, more uh, builders. It, uh, yes, absolutely more builders. Um, I was interested. I, I don't remember them right now. Um, that I would could, be fascinating. I've got a whole list of it. I but you actually it. see statistical significance I know took by the location. Yeah. But you I, see, you, you it doesn't randomly distribute that Australians are, or Chinese are 20, roughly 25, 25, 25. No. Yeah. No. Uh, 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 you, you see by country... I mean, I, I, uh, first of all, it's, it's the people who took my questionnaire. Yeah. So right off the bat, there's going to be a little questionnaire. Right. And they took the question on a dating site. But, but the bottom line is, no, you see, um, 
I mean, of the, well, of the 14 million in America, you clearly see by state, you can see it easily, hmm. that more people in Ohio uh, who took the questionnaire are staggeringly more builders. Yeah. And people who took the questionnaire in California are staggeringly high dopamine explorers, et cetera. And, and you see it clearly. So the, what's interesting is there's a gene in... By the in, way, let me count. The, it's at theanatomyoflove.com. Yes. We're going to make sure we pop that up so people know this. Great. Yeah. And, or my, any of my books. Okay. But the book um, that really explains it is Why Him, Why Her. Yeah. Uh, and it's $6 or something anyway. But... but um, Oh, I know. There's a gene in the dopamine system called the DRD47 repeat allele. And it's a particular gene that is linked with risk-taking, novelty-seeking, curiosity, creativity, etc. Take a guess where that gene is most prevalent in the world. Nobody gets it. You won't get it either. Risk-taking? Yeah. It's, it's, the, mm. it's, the, it's a gene. What do I get if I get it? Do I get lifetime supply of books? <laughs> Let's see. Think of the biggest, longest migration that the human animal has ever made, except for out of Africa. Uh, oh, man. I was going to say Africa. Well, we came out of the Middle East. Genghis Khan. The biggest. Good. Those are good, but this is better. This is better than the Middle East. Can I tell you? Wait, wait. I need one more second. The, in history, the biggest migration. The biggest migration in history, other than out of Africa. Bigger than a Genghis Khan. Bigger than Genghis Khan. Was it World War II? During World War II would have been the most, because there's the most people on the planet. So Not the biggest migration, the longest migration, the farthest migration. Oh, furthest migration. Australia. No. That was forced, and that wasn't that many people. Oh, okay, I give up. What is it? Uh, the, this gene is most prevalent in the Amazon basin. Huh. And so it's either people, oh, people walking walk all, all the, the way, way. or it's oh. either that, or that's the only kind of people that can survive there, and the, <laughs> the builders died out. <laughs> so the explorers are those people who came from Asia, yeah. walked the land bridge, came yeah. all the way through. And ended up in Yeah, because that's Amazon. about as far as you could go down. Yeah. So even the ones who stayed in Native Americans weren't as explorer-like because they didn't keep going. No. I should have gotten that one. Nobody's ever gotten it, but you at least were thinking of Genghis Khan okay, you need out of Africa. That you was need pretty to cool. delete this and re-say, okay, and my answer is <laughs> Amazonians. We can, we can, make me look smart. No, that's fine. So, but there, then but what, what's the consequences of that? Do we, did you ever visit those people? That's the one place I've never been. Okay. I mean, that's, there's many places I've never been, yeah. but that's one I haven't, I'm dying, I'd like to go. It's yeah. a little scary, actually. Yeah. But, uh, um, but migration patterns are certainly going to... I mean, I are mean, they more, do they have bigger, do they have harems, do they have this? Is there some consequence uh, in love, you think, like that, from being a whole bunch of explorers? To explore? Well, I had a wonderful friend at the Museum of Natural History who worked there, and... People had a lot of extra lovers, that's for sure. Really? Oh, yeah. Everybody had extra lovers. <laughs> Everybody, I mean, the, the young, the young, Ajos, they were called, A-J-O-S, they, um, or A-J-O-I-S, I'm not sure. And, um, and apparently the small children could list the whole lattice of who was sleeping with whom. At a museum? 
Is that well, what my saying? my friend um, Robert Carnero was an anthropologist at the oh. American Museum of Natural History who lived and worked, uh, you know, among a group of people called the Quicuru. In and Brazil area, in, in, in up the Amazon. Oh, the oh and he was saying they had a. T- everybody was. Everybody was sleeping around. Everybody sleep. Well, everybody. Uh, I mean, I've studied adultery, and people sleep around even where places where you can get your head chopped off for it. You yeah. know, we seem to have a predisposition for this. Not do the, builders sleep around as much? You think? I don't know because I've never studied that. But I, I would guess, I would think that this is total hypothesis. That because there's, so, first of all, they, they might have, look at more porn. Really? I, I, this is hypothesis. They're less sexual. You drive up the serotonin system and um, sexuality goes down. That's why people who take a lot of these Prozac or Paxil or one yeah. of these, any of these antidepressants. Yeah, it kills um, their sex drive. Yeah, in 73% of, of people, it, it kills the sex drive. Wow. Yes. Um, because, or, or at least alters it yeah. in, in, in important ways. Um, and so when I asked a question on, uh, one of, in one of my academic studies of these personality types, uh, how important is it? How important is sex to your mm-hmm. uh, relationship? The two groups that regarded as extremely important are explorer and negotiator and testosterone. Oh, di- director. Yeah. Huh. So not negotiators. Uh, uh, negotiators also, actually. Because I feel and like I estrogen, the, maybe You know when the, you are right? You're yeah. right. Yeah. You're right. It was those three. Yeah. Um, but finish that sentence. You feel like negotiators are what? I feel like negotiators want sex a lot, but with the, maybe the same person or in a different setting, whereas explorers yeah. explore. I mean, yeah. and directors, I, think, I feel like directors like I feel like directors are out to prove something, almost like they would sleep with somebody just to show that they, for like a power play. I think that's interesting. Whereas explorers are maybe just novelty, of, novelty, novelty. Yeah, get bored fast. Right. See, that's Or they my, get them caught, caught in some situations and say, ah, oh, why not? I guess, you know. I'm, I'm here. Mistake, but I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> but it is, it's, it's quite clear that um, the builders regard sex as less important in a partnership than the other three. Now, they might regard it as important, but it, I have definite data on 40,000 people, maybe 80,000 actually, that uh, they, they, it's less important because the serotonin is high. It'd be fascinating to ask a question. Have you had an extra marital or extra, you know, uh, illicit affair and see if these four, if you can show that, I don't know if people I'm interested. Tell the truth. I'm interested now in well, that's the problem with adultery. Uh, people don't tell the truth, but uh, but you can collect enough data and enough different studies, and you see some patterns in them. But I'm also interested in how these four personality styles. I think they're going to have different kinds of diseases. Yeah. I think they're going to have different kinds of mental illnesses. Yep. Um, I mean, I think that uh, the high negotiator, the high estrogen, is going to have more manipulative clini- clinical depression. Oh, really? I th- you I th- think? I, yeah, I think so. Oh, and I think that the high uh, testosterone uh, directors are going to have more narcissism, nar- narcissism yeah. and directors, more I think aut- autism yeah. uh, or the autism spectrum. I think that the high uh, 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 dopamine explorers are probably going to have more accidents <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and maybe more schizophrenia because that's a dopamine related. And I wouldn't be surprised. Wait, which? The, high, build, uh, the, the builders? Uh, yeah, the high serotonin. No, the high testosterone. Okay. Um, Explorers yeah. are probably going to have more schizophrenia. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cause that's dopamine related. And I think that the, I, did, I took that out of my book cause it really is a hypothesis, but, and I, I would think that the, um, uh, OCD people are going to be builders. Uh, yeah, builders. 
they got to have it this way, this way, this way, this way. So I, I, I'm working, beginning to work with a company who, that, you know, personalized medicine yes. to see whether, you know, and I certainly they're going to innovate differently. Uh, the explorer is going to come up with a whole pile of ideas. The builder is going to figure out the process of how you make it. The uh, high testosterone is going to th- be very systematizing. They're going to build the machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the uh, high estrogen or the negotiators are going to be great in PR and explaining the machine to everybody. I mean, we were built to do all this together. You know, I'm a group selectionist, uh, which is very unpopular in my trade. Are you familiar with that? This concept that, that you know, I think we, we evolved in these little hunting and gathering groups and you needed different skills in different people if you were going to survive. It takes a village to it raise a child. It takes a village, child. yeah. I mean, for example... You, you don't think that's that's not popular in scientific circles or in society? As in, in scientific circles, group selection has huh. been very... Um, uh, it, um, it's, been, it's been a problem. But, you think unfairly? Oh, I'm a group selectionist, so yes. Uh, or just misunderstood. Yeah. Hi, I'm Arusha Pires, host of a new podcast called Investing with IBD. Here are a few snippets from the conversations that we're having. Ah, Facebook, you know, it's coming back. I was really treating it as a counter trend kind of stock. You have these really fast moving stocks. You want to have a little bit slower moving stocks also in your portfolio. What Bill observed after sitting through many market corrections is that the market will come down, but you need to wait a few days and see if there's going to be continued power. And that's where he came up with the follow-through day concept. One of the most interesting things is, you know, utilities have actually been very, very strong over the last 52 weeks. The work that we've done on yield curve inversion suggests that after the yield curve inverts, over the next year, utility performance is actually not that good. Come join the conversation on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I mean, for example, let's say you take a hunting and gathering societies, and there's 25 individuals in the little band, and half of them are are um, uh, young juveniles. That leaves you 10 or 12 that are grown-ups, and they're walking along together, and you suddenly come along a field of mushrooms. Mm-hmm. You can't have all the explorers say, ah, let's try the mushrooms. Yeah. You got to have some uh, builders who say, it's not in our tradition to try these mushrooms. Yeah. You got to have some um, uh, directors who say, well, let's do an experiment and feed, feed the mushrooms to the dog. Yeah. And you got to have some uh, negotiators who say, let's sit down and pool our data about these mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest problems in business now, particularly in, in the building of teams, in understanding innovation, and in building corporate boards. People tend to um, uh, hire people like themselves. Yeah. And they don't hire. Now, I'm all for hiring more than the token woman and the token black and the token this and that. But there, that's hiring for culture. Yes. Uh, and, and for gender. But we also have to hire for mind. Yeah. Biology of mind. Variations in mind. Yeah. And uh, I, w- I actually did make a, a speech at Davos. And um, I did say that, in it wasn't at my speech, but they were talking about how you build a corporate board. And um, um, uh, I could see that they were st- go- still going for their token this and token that, which is fine. That's good. I mean, you should have more of that. But they weren't thinking about diversity of mind. Yeah. And that's where I think this, my personality questionnaire will eventually be, of, hopefully, of great use. 
Yeah, I mean, in all things, it's almost. You know what? If balance. you're with the, if you're with the Amish, could you ever get them to take my questionnaire? Even yeah, just but, a few of them. Yeah, if one Do they thing. Speak English? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see the question because some questions they might not. It might understand not make sense to them. That would be interesting to know like what one. don't make sense. What's it would the, be very interesting for me. Do they have questions me. on, like the sexuality ones might be a little bit. I don't ask sex, sex okay. questions. Yeah. I only ask. One's about. Well, here. Let me see a couple. Let me, let, let me see which ones. I'll tell you which ones. In general, they're humans. I would think they'll be pretty similar. <laughs> they're going to be like everybody else. By the way, uh, my friend used to work for uh, Hugh Hefner. Here's uh-huh. a piece of advice I you'll get a kick out of. So my friend texted me. He goes, Ty, I just was on a jet on Hugh Hefner's jet flying to Brazil. And he gave me the piece of advice that is the least helpful I've ever had, but it's insightful. I said, what was it? He goes, Hugh Hefner was frustrated. And he goes, never try to date more than six women at a time. It's impossible. <laughs> So that so he, he found the be- he, he found- could find he, he had figured that out some time ago. What's the most these hunter gatherers have? Does anyone have more than six wives? You know, there's a group of people called the Arunta, and in Western Australia, they're Aborigines, and some very rich, powerful men can collect as much as ten wives yeah. in middle age. And of course, the young wives are sneaking off into the bushes with their sweethearts, um, and, but they've been. You know, see, Hugh Hefner had this whole mate guarding strategy. It's interesting. Mm, when Hugh Hefner term. was young, he was pretty much like a swinger. So mm-hmm. he didn't care because um, here's my theory on Hugh. I've st- one of my big regrets in life is I didn't get to interview Hugh Hefner before he died. I try, but he was pretty old. And um, I know his son now. So I'm going to try to interview his son because his son knows pretty well Cooper. How many children did he have? He had, I think, two boys and two girls, that I think. All by different people or? Pretty. He mm-hmm. had. At least two different, maybe because three you know different. Trump had uh, children by three different women. Yep, Darwinian. Darwinian. Logic. So he did well. By Dar- <laughs> but but so here's my theory on Hugh Hefner. When he was young, up to let's say fifty, he was very free with women. Now, ten years of that, he was married to just one woman. He said he never cheated. From age thirty to forty, he was in love with this one woman that he had kids by. Then he bought a house next door. So they always stayed attached. By the way, okay. He bought literally one or two doors down so that he could also raise his kids. They could walk Wonderful. through a little hole in the wall. And, Perfect. Yeah. And um, then when he was over 50, I think when he was young, he was a good-looking guy. He was very intelligent, charming. You, you rarely hear much bad about him. By all the women he dated, you would think there's no big scandal about him, right? So he treated women well. Um, some people won't agree with that, but individually. Then when he got in his 50s, 60s, and 70s, he had all these young women still, and he had all these mate guarding rules. Couldn't go out past 8 o'clock at night. Curfew was like 8 o'clock. No guys allowed, da-da-da. So as he began to lose- So he had a harem. Oh, yeah. Always had harem except when he's married. But as he he lost mate value and his ability to hold on to women, Mm -hmm. he he started instituting these rules, which he didn't have to do at 25. At 25, it was kind of like, oh, if you don't want to be with me, I'm rich, famous, yeah. handsome, and virile, and women stayed with him. Yeah. But as he got 80, and yeah. he still had six women under 25, all of a sudden, these women wanted to, yeah. to go. Sure. Of course. So that's why I said, even there's this interplay in love that makes it super complicated because it changes from this phase in your life Absolutely. to this phase. And, and That's a great term, mate value. 
Yeah. And it and it definitely varies with time and all kinds of things. It um, seems to me like that it so let me I, we got to wrap up here. I know you need to go, but um I divide. I'm going to show you one day. Maybe I'll have you back if you I'd we'd love to have you back if you, if you're willing. Um I'm happy to. I devised this whole system on my theory. This is how I met Dr. David Buss. I, w- I gave a talk and I said these 12 things. I said, women's brains like an algorithm, a calculator. They quickly do this computation. And there was four main areas and then they each are in three subsets. So there's like physical data. And Dr. Buss said, that was, that was actually very accurate, you know, for not being a scientist. I, he, he walked up to me after the talk. He said, but you forgot one thing, which was status. And status isn't always about money. So you can be a poor artist and still have a lot of status. And um, that was the beginning of our friendship years ago. But do you think there is kind of this thing that we instantly calibrate ourselves? Absolutely. and And it's different for men and women. So women calibrate very differently. So that a man can actually increase his mate value by doing things. And everything we kind of do maybe is about that. My main question to you is, what do women do besides the obvious? I mean, women they lose obviously, weight. They lose weight. Makeup. Uh, <laughs> the makeup. Uh, the Chris right Rock clothes. always goes. He goes. Men and women both lie, but men and women lie differently. He goes. <laughs> men men lie by saying, uh, "Uh, I was at Jimmy's house last night." Right. And he said, "Women lie by saying it's your baby." You know. <laughs> he said, "Everything about a woman's lie. You're not that tall. It's not your real face. It's your boobs aren't that big." Well, I have watched forty thousand people lie to me. Men lie about how tall they are and how much money they make. Women yeah. lie about how old they are and how how much they weigh. Really? Yeah. Those are the two. Those are the, oh, and then people lie about all kinds of other things, too. I mean, don't forget that uh, courtship is not about honesty. Courtship <laughs> is about winning. It's right. about winning and what people will do to win. And some people go with the strict honesty. But, you know, with my boyfriend and, and me, I mean, we're always joking about May choice. And so, you know, if I were on the Today Show or CBS this morning or one of these things, I'm really looking good. I come home afterwards. I say, yeah, my mate choice is up, isn't it? You know, uh, I mean, my mate value, my mate value <laughs> is up, isn't it? You know, or he gets this, um, he's a very well-known journalist and something good happens with him and his mate value is up and, you know, so. They want it, you it, to it run after him a little bit harder. It's easy. It's easy to do. Um, so some of these questions, I mean, then none of them have to do with sex. For example, I find unpredictable situations exhilarating. Oh, yeah. They'll answer those. Yeah. I do things at the spur of the moment. Yeah, they'll answer. That. Yeah, I have a wide range of interests. I'm more optimistic. Da, da, da. It's very, yeah, that it's, it's kind of solid stuff. I'm going to retake it. I'm going to send you what I got again. Oh, I love that. I, 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 I want to see. I think I've changed a little bit, and I think I've saved my scores. Well, you for, will I have changed. Change. You're never going to be a builder. Yeah, no, I don't. You're just never going to be a builder. I've tried that, and I think, here's my thing to wrap up. Forget love and sex for a second, because... My favorite book I've ever read is this Sigmund Freud book called Civilization and Its Discontents. I don't know if you've ever read it, but I only the second book. chapter. Read the second chapter. I've got it at home. My girlfriend, I have a wonderful girlfriend, said it's her favorite book too, and she gave oh, it to me it's, like 40 years ago. I will go home and read that book. And why do you, why? It's, he was a genius of immense, immense, people underestimate him because of some of his theories have been disproven, or a lot of them, but he basically said, you know, we always come down to this question is what is the purpose of life? And he said, we never come up with a satisfactory answer probably because there is no satisfactory answer. But he said, what I can tell you 
is what the behavior of people tells us, that people want to be happy. And we move towards this happiness. Now, he says we do that by seeking pleasure and avoiding pain. And uh, let me read this too, because I think you're going to like this. I, I was just read. I read it a couple times a year, and uh, I was just reading. And he talks about love. This is his take on love, and I. It's actually very similar to a chapter in a book I once read, where you there's a poem you read about a guy who was maybe a Native American oh, yeah. who was in intense pain. Oh, I yeah. think it's in your other book. Yes, hi, actually, hi. it's in this one because this is a redo of that book. This is 2016. Uh, anyway, so go ahead. He says, um, "No, it isn't." He goes. He's talking about ha- what he brings up. Eight things that make us happy, and he said, "Perhaps it really comes nearer to this goal than in any other method." I'm speaking, of course, of that way of life which makes love the center of all things and anticipates all happiness from loving and being loved. This attitude is familiar to all of us. One of the forms in which love manifests itself, sexual love gives us our most intense experience of an overwhelming, pleasurable sensation, and so furnishes a prototype for our strivings after happiness. So like sexual orgasm, basically. He goes, then what is more natural than we should persist in seeking happiness along the path by which we first encountered it? The weak side of this way of living, aka seeking love, is clearly evident. And were it not for this, no human being would have ever thought of abandoning this path to happiness in favor of any other. And this is it. We are never so defenseless against Mm -hmm. suffering suffering, as when we we love. love. Never so forlornly unhappy as when we have lost our love object or its love. So he goes, love is the perfect way to happiness, but (laughs) evolution kicks in. And the woman we love or the man we love loves somebody else or something along that. And it's a, it's a, one of the worst things that can ever happen to you. I mean, people you know? commit suicide over that more <laughs> I, than you think. I have put um, you know, uh we were the first in the world to put people who are rejected in love into the brain scanner. First of all, just putting them in the scanner. I mean, they were such a wreck. Really? Oh, such a wreck. I, and, and their story. Oh. But uh, anyway, we found activity in brain region linked with intense romantic love, brain region linked with deep feelings of attachment, three brain regions linked with craving and addiction, and a brain region linked with physical pain. Yeah. It's exactly the same brain region that becomes active when you have a toothache. Yeah. But you go to the dentist, uh, and a week later, you've forgotten the toothache. Yeah. People never forget the ones that, that oh, dump yeah. them. Never. Some, you get over it. But uh, and time does heal. We were actually actually able to prove that activity in brain regions linked with attachment becomes reduced with time. But you never forget the never forget the people that that dumped you. Yeah, it's one of the most painful things the human animal can can never you know. That's so interesting about um, we're never so defenseless uh, as when we love because that's in this book. It's it's one of the titles and it's one of my lead uh, really? chapter titles. You and Sigmund Freud I didn't think know the second half. Yeah. No, 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 no. I. Oh, you got him. that. Yeah, yeah. I quoted him, but I didn't yeah. know the second half of it yeah. until you um, just said it. So that's so interesting. I'll go take a look at that. So to, no. the last sentence, if you had to leave one, I ask everybody this. Everybody's smart. I just asked this to Jared Diamond. I'm going to ask you, if today's your last day on earth and you have one paragraph on anything and you want to leave your manifesto, your best things you learned in the art of living in your lifetime, what would that paragraph say? It doesn't even have to be on love. It can be anything. If I had to do it in one sentence? It could be a paragraph. 
I'd rather do a sentence. Okay. Well, actually, uh, I have a family motto, and I really live by it. And it's semper ad astra, always to the stars. Huh. And it's, you know, live your life, discover, love, work, play, play hard. Oh, I, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do a different paragraph. Semper ad astra is what I live by. But um, I don't even know if this is quite true. It comes from something that I read in the New York Times, and it was about a little boy, and uh, the little boy's father had just died, and um, it was announced in school that the father had died. And at the um, recess, the little boy was out in the playground, and um, another little boy came up to him, and a very, very sorrowful voice said how sad he was for him. And the little boy turned around, and he said, we're here. We're alive. Let's play. Hmm. I like that. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. And work. You know, as Freud said, it's work and love. Love and work. Those yeah. are the two. Love and work. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Ty. Yeah. <laughs> Quite best, <a> guy. <laughs> best place to go is theanatomyofloved.com or what's the other? Is there the Helenfisher.com. Just Helen Fisher has a link. Take the quiz. Yeah. And she's going to add there about your extramarital or extra dating affairs, right? Say that again? You're, you're going to add there on the quiz at the very end. Oh, By the way, tell me about how your... often have you cheated? <laughs> it would be very interesting to know all of that. You know, it's going to be people like you. It's going to be other people who, who spread it around, who, you yeah. know, bring it into hospitals, bring it into um, Boardroom. business. Yeah. Business. That's what I'd really like it to get into business. My secret weapon in business is knowing personality types. I would say it's the one thing that I never have met a business person that's even 1% is interested, but it's a huge competitive advantage. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, all life, making money, happiness. Um, I'll, you like quotes. Let me give I you do. my last quote. This I was is about a good to ask quote. You, I've got a good quote. I was about to ask you about your last paragraph. This is not my last paragraph, uh, but can you this give is... If I could give one? Yeah. It's tough. Uh, well, give me the quote first. I'm going to give you this one about people. And um, this is a, so this is actually a, maybe too pessimistic for you, but it brings up another point. This is from the Movable Feast from Hemingway. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is when he was the happiest of life. It's a story when he was young and married and in love. And he was living in, I think, France. When spring came, even the fall spring, there were no problems except where to be happiness, uh, happiest. The only thing that could spoil a day was people. And if you could keep from making engagements, each day had no limits. People were always the limiters of happiness, except for the very few that were good as the spring itself. So I, I'll tell I you what. I agree with you. Here's my I final do, sentence. I agree with you. Good. Here's my final two words that I would leave to the world. Choose well. That's a nice one. Your career, your friends, your mates, your investments, it's all filtering. So the person who becomes the best at choosing, I think, lives the best. Have the courage to get rid of what doesn't work. That's right. And go choose again. Yeah, but don't even get rid. Never start. (laughs) Never even. (laughs) Never. Life is, is wherever to be happiness, except for meeting bad people. And by bad, I mean exploitative. And if you study evolution, there's a whole science 
that in general groups want to exploit each other. And um, so making your way in this modern world is much more about never letting people. I, I think of it as a bubble, like a hamster wheel. You're this hamster rolling through the world and it should be hard to get into that bubble. But if you can get good people in that bubble, everything works out. Yeah. Business partner, you find the be- the wealthiest people in the world had great mentors and great business partners. Yeah. And well, how about Sartre's uh, No Exit? You know the play? Uh-uh. What? Was it Sartre? No, maybe it wasn't Sartre. It's called No Exit. Well, this guy goes to, um, you know, t- dies and um, uh, goes to hell. And what hell is, is a small room with three other people in it. That he hates. That <laughs> <laughs> they all hate each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell is other people. That's the yeah. line. Hell is other people. Yeah. That's the same. Is, Miller, that, I mean, is it what, Miller or is it Sartre? Oh, man. I got to look it up. I'll know next time I see you. Well, well I will too. Hopefully, well, everyone chooses well and, uh, yeah, everyone finds love in, in that way. But this was good. We needed to talk more often. Well, thank you. Well, happy to. Thanks for being here. I'm delighted. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Arusha Pires, host of a new podcast called Investing with IBD. Here are a few snippets from the conversations that we're having. Ah, Facebook, you know, it's coming back. I was really treating it as a counter trend kind of stock. You have these really fast moving stocks. You want to have a little bit slower moving stocks yeah, also definitely. in your portfolio. What Bill observed after sitting through many market corrections is that the market will come down, but you need to wait a few days and see if there's going to be continued power. And that's where he came up with the follow-through day concept. One of the most interesting things is, you know, utilities have actually been very, very strong over the last 52 weeks. The work that we've done on yield curve inversion suggests that after the yield curve inverts, over the next year, utility performance is actually not that good. Come join the conversation on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.